Well, thanks for being here today. Like Craig said, we are uh, starting a new series today called Motor, where we're going to be taking a look at how we can use our gifts and abilities that God's given us to really impact the world here, near, and far. Today, um, I'd like to introduce you to my friend Dave Eltringham. Dave has a great story, um, has had an opportunity to do some some different serving throughout the world, and I want you to hear a little bit of his story today. So, Dave, thanks for being here. Good morning. How, uh, how have you gotten involved at Horizon and in the project that you're currently involved with in Cancun? So our family was looking at uh, making an acquisition down in Norris Lake, and it was ugly. It didn't feel right, and uh, it fell apart on a Sunday. That Monday, I get a call from back-to-back, are you available today? And I'm like, normally my days are packed, and it takes a while to get together with me, as you know. And uh, the door opened. I was supposed to be in a golf outing that day. I didn't feel well. I canceled. And uh, I met with the folks, and they said, we have a unique opportunity for you. We're building this community center in the hood, down in Cancun, at Trace Reyes, where both my daughter and my wife had served. So I knew a little bit about it. And uh, it involves soccer, and we know you have a heart for soccer. Would you be interested? It's interesting. God just sort of shut a door, and now here one's opening up. And we need a quick response. We need you to act if you're going to be involved. And uh, we believe that we've been blessed and we have the opportunity to give back. So, so we all ran through the door. So you, you helped financially to, to start this project, but also you were able to go to Cancun on your own vacation and serve down there while you were on vacation. So tell, tell us a little bit about, about that opportunity. There's some really cool women that my wife went there with. Some of them had done the same thing. They did the vacation service deal. And so we planned that down in Mexico. And at first my kids were like, Dad, yeah, we just need a break. But wow, did it have an impact on our family. There were three other families that did the same thing. And they were all from Cincinnati. And they were all down there in Trace Ray serving with us. And we just came at it with open hearts. We didn't know what the possibilities were. We just knew we were supposed to be there. And meeting those missionaries was the beginning of an incredible journey for us. They could be doing lots of other things, but they're down there serving. They've given up careers. They've given up family things. They are there in the barrio caring for these kids. And it was a wonderful experience for us. Um, We're anxious to go back and um, do what God has in store for us. Yeah, so you've had some other opportunities, too, um, to serve in Africa and some other places as well. What has serving abroad meant to you, or even serving locally? I mean, you're a service guy. So what has that meant to you spiritually? You know, first of all, I'm just a regular guy. I really don't have any skills. There's like my neighbor can build and fix anything. I, I, I'm just a regular guy, and I want everybody to know that anybody can do what I do. I just know that I'm supposed to serve. And so, you know, my daughter says to me, Dad, I want to go to Africa. I was afraid. I, I, didn't know, I didn't know if I had the time, the resources, whatever to go, and we went. And I'll never forget, at night, we would debrief as teams about the day, and then I would walk back to my cottage where I stayed, and these little guys would want me to come to their window every night and tell them a story, and I would make up the stupid stories about bass fishing or soccer games, or it didn't matter what I talked about. And they would just listen intently, and then I would think in my heart of hearts, you know, half of those kids had AIDS. Half of those kids were not going to be here. They never knew a mother and father. And if all I could do is spread God's love and give them a hug and teach them a little bit about soccer or just, just really just love on them, that was the beginning of that journey. And where I could overcome the fear of being gone, uh, of investing resources, where I could begin to say, you know what, God's working in me, he's working in this team, and he's working in these little children. And that was sort of the beginning for me, and it's gone from there. I just love to serve and get back. 
it's really exciting to hear your story. And I know many many of us have kind of similar stories of um, being just afraid of, of taking that step and going. Um, what would you say to folks out here who, who may have the opportunity sitting in front of them to, to do something like that? We do a lot at Horizon. We have a lot of different trips to, from City Gospel here in Cincinnati all the way to, to Cancun to Haiti. What would you say to somebody who's maybe thinking about that? I'd say a couple things. Uh, we were talking over some coffee about just claiming the promises of God. You know, he's, he's there for you. He's going to take care of you. Just, just believe it. And my thing is that I always hear in my prayer life is, Go serve belief. And I just keep telling myself that. And that video told it, that, that was everything. I mean, I hadn't seen that thing. Go be there with me with those kids. To see those smiles, to see the love on those children, to sweat building a building, to wire a building when you don't really know what you're doing, to lift things you don't think you can lift. Go serve and believe because it will impact you, your family. It'll be generational. The people you get to know, the bonds you have with the other dudes, with the other people you're with, you got to go for it. And uh, I would just encourage everybody to be with us in Cancun or wherever it calls us, City Gospel, Africa, it doesn't matter. Just just be with some folks and serve. Awesome. Well, Dave's, Dave's going on the trip in, in February with the men's trip, and we also have a women's trip down to Cancun at the end of February, a couple student trips um, in June. So we also have some Haiti stuff going on. There's tons going on here at Horizon. So we just want to encourage you, um, as you hear over the next couple of weeks about different ways that you can serve and be a part, take that step and, and do it. And, and I promise it's going to change your life, and it'll change the life of your family as well. So, Dave, thanks for being here and Thank sharing you. your story. Thank you. Kenny kept playing. I think, wow, maybe there's a song I'm not expecting. That's awesome. I got into that. How many of you feel old today? Well, at least you admit it. That's great. I remember being 25 very, very vividly. And I remember thinking, wow, I should be further than I am. And I should, I, this is not what I thought 25 would look like. I thought 25 I'd have it more together. And, and I would probably be married by then. And I wasn't. And, and I, I'll not forget being at church. And I remember a buddy of mine, he said, hey, uh, he was the recreation director at our church. He said, hey, we're starting our beginner's softball league on Saturdays. Can you be one of the assistant coaches? And I'm just like, dude, I, I played baseball a long time ago, and I, I'm not married. I don't have kids, and I have a family, and that's who's coming here. He says, well, you at least just pray about it. I'm like, sure, I'll pray about it. And so I did. I prayed about it, and this was the prayer. God, um, I'm single. I don't have kids. I'm very busy, so I know you don't want me to do this. Um, so just confirm that, and uh, that'll be great. And I was very busy at that time, extremely busy. I was beginning my career in what I'm doing now, and I'd left the corporate world, and I was starting to speak and perform full-time. And, and I remember looking at my calendar, like, God, you know, obviously I'm not going to have five Saturdays in a row where I'm in town. And I looked, and I had five Saturdays in a row. And I'm just like, oh, wow. And I, and I really did try to convince God that that wasn't it. So I went to my buddy and I saw him the next time. He goes, hey, did you pray about it? I said, yeah. I said, you know, I, I, I'm re I really haven't worked with kids that much. But uh, he said, all I need you to do is be assistant coach. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I got the time. I'll be an assistant coach. And so I show up the first Saturday. And uh, I, I, I go to him, hey, where am I? He says, hey, your, your team's over there. And I get over there and I'm looking around waiting for the coach. And I'm like, I wonder who the coach is. There's 15 kids here. And. And then he came back by, I'm like, hey, um, you know, their kids are ready, I kind of got them here, where's the coach? He goes, hey, both the coaches said they couldn't do it, you're it. And I was like, 
Wow. Okay. So I went into panning mode. I've got all these little kids that are anywhere from seven to ten years old, and I've never worked with them. I'm like, okay, two lines. Okay, um, you got to get the ball. They hit it, you got to get it. So race to the ball. Boom. And they're just all running to the ball and running back. And, and I figured it out as we went. And I realized in that moment just being available was the key. Because as those five weeks went on, I saw an unbelievable transformation of how God uniquely put me in that situation. I'll never forget one mom specifically came up at that first practice. She said, are you the coach? And I, I, at this time, I hadn't had the reveal that I was. And I said, no, I'm one of the assistants. Is there something I can help you with? She goes, well, my daughter, she's never played before. And I'm like, that's fine. This is a beginner's league. She goes, but I, and I could just see this pain in her eyes. She said, but my, my, my daughter has a condition. And, and I could see this mother's heart just breaking in front of me. And she's like, she's She's um, got a form of epilepsy, and I, I, I probably shouldn't even have her out here. And I could see this tension in her heart. And then I realized God put me here. And I didn't really fully grasp it till later. And I said, well, my father's epileptic. I said, how severe is hers? And she just, well, well it's not severe, but she has these blank out moments. And, and I'm just afraid she might get hurt. And I said, no, no, no. I said, I will make sure. She's never in a situation. I'll make sure she's in the outfield so she has an episode. It won't happen at a time where she's going to get hurt or something. And I'll make sure I'm pitching to her. I know how to see the signs of, of these minor seizures coming on. I'll make sure that she's not at the plate and we can work this out. And I saw this mom's just whole countenance just change. And I thought, God, that's you. That's you taking a single 26-year-old kid who is clueless and going, yeah, but I can still use you here. And I've got this situation, I'm going to bring it across, and just that being available. I can say this, the most significant moments in my life have been those that I served and those that I stepped up. And it was not all of them worked out great. Not all of them do I have this great story of, yes, I saw life transformed in front of my eyes. We helped with the church plant for years, and, and Heather, my wife, is here with me today. She, she and I, we were the nursery for the first year. I would fly back from work on a Saturday night on the red eye just so I could get there and, and, and literally keep babies and throw out goldfish and, and take care of kids. And it was amazing to see that church grow. And there wasn't those moments where it's just like, wow, well, less than a month ago I turned 50. I turned 50. And... uh Thank you to the few of you who had that gasp of disbelief just then. I, I appreciate that. Um, there's no way he's 50. And I saw a couple of kids over here going, dude, I thought he was way older than that. And just, I don't like you right now. But that's a different story. But it's one of those moments of life I'm like, really now? What, what, Lord, what? What is it? And I want to be significant. If I could have one word that it's encapsulized where I am now is I want to be significant. I want to leave a legacy beyond myself. And, and how does that happen? How does it work? And these next few weeks, we're going to look through an incredible passage. And I just want to share the first few words of this passage in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says simply this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is our, your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Well, I can tell you this. I want to know that my life ends up good, acceptable, and perfect. 
What a better goal. Good, acceptable. I call it the gap life. Good, acceptable, and perfect. Well, legacy is not going to happen unless it's good, acceptable, and perfect. And significance won't happen without that. And then I think, okay, God, you said that you, the enemy comes to steal and rob and destroy. And conformity to this world, whether it's chasing after whatever, will only lead in being steal and rob and destroy. We can accomplish, we can climb a ladder of success and miss it all and go, really, that was it? Or we can literally experience what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Well, how do we get there? Because Jesus said, I came that you would have life and have it to the full. I want that. I want that. And since celebrating the 25th anniversary of my 25th birthday, I realize, I said, Lord, you really have. There's this wonderful verse that says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you think or dream. And I can tell you, at 50, I have experienced that. I left the corporate world after a top 10 in sales with a Fortune 500 company to, to follow what I thought God's calling or, or this nudge was. And sure enough, 25 years later, I look back and go, yes, God, that was unbelievable. I, I am living beyond what I expected or dreamed. I'm, I'm my, my wife is just amazing. Not only is she beautiful, she's brilliant. I got three kids. I do what I love to do for a living. Lord, wow. And I see the significant steps in there. But how do I get to that significant legacy part? That's where I want to get. That's where I want to live. And there's three questions that if we answer this morning, it's going to start moving us in that direction towards legacy, towards significance. And I don't know where you are in your life right now, whether you're in your 20s thinking, wow, I've got it all ahead. Or maybe you're like me in that middle, middle age is, is a relative term. Um, and 50 is a lot younger than I expected it to be. And, and I realize, or, or maybe you're one of those thinking, you know what, I am at that point now where everything I want to do, I want it to count beyond me. Well, these three questions are simply going to lead us in that direction. The first one is, where's my focus? Where's my focus? And the focus has to be on, am I fulfilling my life purpose? Am I fulfilling my life purpose? And the greatest example I can think of, and I want you to look at this, a couple words in this, this verse in Hebrews 12 too. It says, look unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, don't miss that word, the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The ultimate accomplishment. He's at the right hand of God. Well, how did he get there? He endured the cross. He took all our sin, all our mistakes, and he took the punishment for us. But the word that just blows my mind in that is, but for the joy set before him on the cross. Now, I don't know if you've seen the passion of the Christ. I don't know if you've read the story of the crucifixion. The last word on the planet that comes to my mind when I see him is joy. But see, joy is not a circumstantial evidence. Joy is a condition of fulfillment. That no matter the circumstance, I have complete fulfillment. His purpose was to do exactly that. He found it and he fulfilled it. And that is the joy to it. That we can now be completely forgiven. That all we have to do is accept that love and forgiveness. And that was his purpose. And the question I have for you and I is, am, are we fulfilling our ultimate purpose? Well, how do I find that? There's two questions we have to ask to find that. So the first one is, where is my focus? Do I want this life of fulfillment and significance? If so, I have to answer the second question, who am I going to trust? Am I going to trust me? 
and my fallibility and my limited knowledge and, and, and really do I have the ability and the capacity to think beyond my life? I was sitting down with a gentleman who runs this uh, uh, investment and advisory consulting company. And I loved his answer to a question. They said, uh, you know, how can we help you? What is your three-year goal? And he said, I don't have one. So what's your five-year goal? He goes, don't have one. He says, well, what kind of goal do you have? He says, I have a thousand-year goal. He says, what do you mean you have a thousand-year goal? He says, I don't want to be about anything that doesn't affect the positive of my world a thousand years from now. And he's like, how does that work? And he says, well, it's got to be bigger than me. That's where it starts. And if I choose to say, okay, I, I really do want to leave a legacy, I really do want to live significantly, then I have to know God personally. I have to know the one who created it all and has a bigger plan, and I get to be part of that plan. I've got to know him personally. If I could get very personal, it would be like, I want to be side by side with an expert at what I'm doing. Last week, I had a surgery, I had a knee surgery, and yet I'm walking today. And it's amazing to me what they can do with this. And I'll, I'll not forget, I sat down, I had the MRI, and, and my knee just hurt. It felt like there was an ice pick in the side of my knee, and that's not a good experience. And so I went to the doctor. I'm hesitant, but it was painful. I got there, I got an MRI, and this is what the doctor said. Dr. Simon came in, he's looking at the MRI, he says, You have a horizontal oblique tear in the posterior horn of the medial meniscus communicating with the inferior articular surface. And then he started drawing a picture, and he started explaining each of these terms. After about the third term, I went, whoa, 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 whoa. And he goes, did you not understand that? I said, no, I understood it. Can you fix it? <laughs> and he was like, well, of course I can. I'm like, okay, that's good. <laughs> See, because unless you need me to be awake during the procedure to remind you of all this, I don't really care. And he, he just kind of laughed. He goes, okay, we're good. And I get there for the surgery last week and I put on the, the backwards pajamas and the footies and the headpiece and I'm sitting there and he walks in and he says, how are you feeling today? And I'm like, well, I'm good, but that doesn't really matter because I'm about to take a nap. I said, how do you feel today? I said, did you bring your A game? Because that's what's important today. And he was just like, wow, this is going to be easy. I just need my B game today. And I'm like, okay. And, and he just started laughing. And it was just one of those moments like, you know what? I'm glad I'm here because I get to benefit from this. But what's important is that you're here and that you know what's going on and that you know what to do. And that is the same key in this life of significance. God, I need to know you're here. I need to know you have a plan. Yes, I want to be a part of it. Yes, I'm going to be there, but I need you because I can't see the big picture. And in the theme of cars, now I believe this with all my heart, and you may agree or disagree, that's okay. But I believe if you can find a good mechanic, it is, it is more vital than finding a good heart surgeon. Because heart surgeons have to be good. Mechanics don't. And, and you can trust a heart surgeon because he's got the training, but a mechanic, I, one of the greatest joys in my life is that I have two great mechanics. One handles my tires, my brakes, and the fluids, and all the ongoing stuff. The other one 
I traditionally, I'll buy a used Lexus and then get it fixed up and I'll drive it for 100, 150,000 miles and then get another used one. And, and I have the gentleman's name's Hung Lam. That's his name. He worked at the factory in Japan on Lexuses before moving to the U.S. And I trust Hung. And over the, the first few incidences, I'm like, I really like this guy. But then it happened. My check engine light came on when I was on the road. And I pulled into a place that like, no, you're good. You can get home. Don't worry about it. So I get home and I take it to this dealership. And I'm like, this is the check engine light. says, well, it's your, you know, the vapor lock and your widget defibrillator valve. And it's going to cost you about 800, anywhere from 680 to $800. I'm like, doggone. But Hung had worked on it. So I took it by. I said, you know what? Can I drive it till tomorrow? He goes, yeah, you're going to be fine. So I took it by Hung. I said, Hung, can you check this out for me? He says, can you leave it with me for a couple hours? I said, sure. Well, he checks it out, runs. He says, uh, Ken, I see your, uh, your car fine. He said, you ever, you ever drop your gas cap? I said, well, uh, I'm sure I have. I mean, I don't remember exactly, but I'm sure I have. He goes, yo, you got a chip of your gas cap. And, uh, it not get the vapor. It doesn't seal good. And so I put a new gas cap on. It's all fine. I said, are you serious? He goes, yeah. I said, how, how much do I owe you for doing all that? He goes, oh, $10. Ten, and I drove it, and it never came on again. There was never another problem. I trust Hung. I trust him completely. And when I can, I can take my keys and I can say, Hung, I just hit, and every <laughs> this is really good, every 100,000 miles, I'm like, whatever it needs. Belts, hoses, just do it. And he does. And then I drive it for another 100000 because I trust Hung. I trust Rob. Rob is my neighbor. And he does the tires and the brakes and, and he does all the, ex, the extemporizational ongoing stuff. And he's my neighbor. And he'll call, hey, I hate to tell you this, but you need, your rotors are down. You need new rotors. And, and I, I hate to tell you, but those are, here's what it is. And I'm like, cool. He goes, what do you want me to do? And I was like, Rob, what would you do if it was your car? Well, I definitely get new rotors. Well, then that's what I want to do. I trust you. I trust you. To have that implicit trust is everything. It's everything. Because I don't know how you are with cars. Maybe you're a mechanic. I, if my car stops and I open the hood, I'm like, yep, that's the engine. <laughs> Bummer. You know, just I, I don't, I don't get it. And the intricacies of our lives are such that literally God has a plan. I believe that wholeheartedly. I don't believe we're a cosmic mistake of an explosion that happened and we morphed from tadpoles into truck drivers. I don't believe that. And that you and I are just some big colossal mistake with no purpose or meaning. I don't believe that. I believe full wholeheartedly that God does know us. He did create us. And every experience we have is for a purpose, good, bad, mistakes or otherwise. When we come to him, he goes, I got this. And I've got a purpose and a plan for you. But I've got to get to the point where I ask the third question. So if I decide, okay, I do, I do need to trust something bigger than me. And I am going to trust God personally. The third question is this, well, how do I get started? Okay, Ken, I'm kind of there with you in my mind. I, I kind of get this, that God does have a plan and I do want to leave a legacy and I do want to get there. Well, how do I get started? It's simple. Look at this verse in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. I love this one. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
This ties up that purpose and legacy and fulfillment. How? Through service and giving. As it says in Galatians 5.13, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, to freedom. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. That's it. And if I could share my favorite verse with you, I did last time I was here. It's in Isaiah 41.10. God says, do not fear, for I am with you. Don't be dismayed. I'm your God. I will lead you and I will strengthen you with my righteous right hand. See, when we personally invite God into our lives and say, God, I do want your forgiveness, but I want your purpose. How did you make me? How did I get here? It starts by serving. Starts by serving. And there's a huge variety of that. And I don't know which piece of that is for you, but I do know the first step is to make a decision. Okay, God, uh, will you show me? I'm, I'm going to take some steps here. And I'm going to show me an opportunity to serve. For me, it was the little kids beginner softball to say, I'm willing to serve. And it was five weeks that I could do. Maybe yours is ongoing. Maybe you're like, you know what? I can throw out goldfish like chicken feed to children. I can do that. And then maybe it's to help in the students. Maybe it's to love on little kids. Maybe it is to go to Africa and help with a soccer mission. Maybe it's big. I want to share with you one incredible opportunity, actually two. One is, is that it passes down in the midst of serving. One incredible experience happens. We tend to glean from and glean to, get from and give to others. And we start experiencing what community is about. I'll not forget one of those times I was serving. There was a couple guys that were older, had older kids. And we ended up, as the guys, after we'd served together, we went to play golf. And I'll not forget, I said, hey, I've got two young boys. You've got kids. What's one piece of advice you would give? And he said, that's easy. And I'm like, Really? He said, yeah, it's the best advice I've ever heard. He says, and I can tell you from personal experience it works. If you have young kids, he says, if you will give those boys your time and your focus when they crave it and want it, they will give you their attention when you need it. I was like, wow, well, I have two teenage boys now. And they're not perfect, but they're incredible. And I can tell you this, they come to me when they have an issue, problem, or question. When they're doing something that I feel, ooh, that's not the right direction, I can, I can say, hey, can we talk? And they'll go, yeah. And I'm like, I want you to really think about this decision because it's a domino effect. And, and without exception at this point, they're like, whoa, okay. And they take and they heed that. It's that gleaning that takes on. But I want to give you an example of, of one of the greatest uh, of taking that availability steps. Because I know a lot of you are very successful in a lot of different areas of life. But I want to challenge you to begin to pray and think, what's a step I can take to serve? Maybe it's here. Maybe it's something I consider small, but I'm going to serve. What does that look like? What does that feel like? Well, I've I got to take you through a bit of a journey. Um, I was actually uh, speaking to, and I do speaking and performing, but I was speaking to, I was invited to speak to the University of Florida football team during three days. And uh, it was during that time that I met a gentleman uh, who was actually between his freshman and sophomore year named Danny Warfel. I don't know if you know who Danny is. He ended up winning a little trophy called the Heisman, and uh, he's, he's a great football player. Well, I met him there, and I, I reoccurred over time. I met him several different times to where he was drafted. He's in the NFL, and then I got invited to speak at a chapel for the New Orleans Saints. And Danny was with the Saints at the time, and it was one of those where I'd met him, but I mean, he's a professor. He meets millions of people. I thought, oh, I'm going to, hey, I'm Ken. I don't know if you remember what we met, but I didn't get a chance to do that because I walked in the chapel and Danny said, Ken, man, how's it going? I'm just like, good. 
awesome. And the, the Saints had like five quarterbacks at the time. They were just stockpiling quarterbacks. And he said, hey, after chapel, are you going to get a chance to eat, eat breakfast with us? I said, yeah. And he said, you come to the game? I said, I can't make the game, but um, I, I'd love to have breakfast with you. He's like, that's awesome. And then it was at the time that, I don't know if you, this is for the old school guys, because I'm, I'm doing chapel and it's the players and stuff. They're in there. It's the morning. And uh, Mike Ditka was the head coach at the time. And Ditka came in and sat on the front row of chapel. And it was all I had not to just go, Ditka. And I just, oh, it was, it was so cool. And I'm just a big sports fan, so that was just awesome. But Danny's there, and we're sitting at the table, and we're sitting at, and, and just kind of eating breakfast. And and Danny said, hey, uh, he says, you have you have two kids, right? And at the time, my boys were small. I'm like, yes. I said, Graham and Cody, he said, how old are they now? And I said, well, they're about uh, four and five now. And he goes, that's awesome. He says, are they into Veggie Tales? I'm like, Yes. They love Veggie Tales, and it just hit me. I'm like, Danny, how old are you? And he's like, I'm, you know, I'm 24, 25. And I'm like, you're a single guy, 25. How do you know about Veggie Tales? And he's like, oh, he says, um, I, I just kind of volunteered this after school thing with kids, and uh, I met this girl, and we're kind of dating, and, and she works there, and I, I love to go there. And he says, Larry the hairbrush is my favorite. And just then, Billy Joe Tolliver, who was the starting quarterback at the time, goes, oh, man, my girls love Larry the Hairbrush. And it started this impromptu quartet. It was him, uh, Billy Joe Tolliver, Heath Schuler, and Kerry Collins are like, oh, where is my hairbrush? Oh, where? And they started singing parts. And I'm like, this is not what you expect from an NFL pregame meal. Okay, I'm just saying this is... Oh, where, oh, where, oh, where, oh, where, where is my hairbrush? And they're just dying laughing. I'm like, you guys are just bizarre. This is weird. And it got to the point where I, I've gotten to know Danny over the years. He now lives in Atlanta with uh, Desire Street Ministries. And what is incredible to me is that we get together two or three times a year for lunch or golf or whatever. And to hear his heart, Danny could do anything he wants to do. He could do anything. And yet he's poured into this ministry. I'm like, how did you get here? How did this start? And he says, it was in New Orleans. He said, I would start with that after school program. And he said, I'd go to work. And there was this, this turn. Right was to go to the practice facility. And then left was to go to the Desire Street, which is in the Ninth Ward. It's one of the poorest, most crime infested areas in the country. And he said, I would go there. And he said, after the first year, he said, it got harder and harder to turn and go to practice. Because my heart was just there. And I volunteered more and more and more there. And he says, then Katrina hit. And it just he tells the story about how he just took one step of, yeah, I'll come and I'll help and I'll sing songs and read the kids. And his heart got to be now where he is literally uh, pouring into urban ministries that help in all over the country. And he's the head of that ministry. And I'm like, that's incredible. He says, yeah, football was great. I love football. It's open incredible doors. He says, but my life work. This is my life's work. And he says, this is what God made me for. And it started with a simple step. A simple step of going, yeah, I'll help. I'll do this. I don't know what your journey looks like. But I can tell you that significance and legacy are not going to come with a full meaning of fulfillment out of what the world has to offer. It's going to come only from what God has to offer. I want you to just look at the second part, and I don't know if they have it or not, but the 12 one, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Good, acceptable, and perfect. That's what I want. 
It's not going to come from accolades. It's going to come from meaning. I want to share one more piece with you. We were playing golf, and Danny had just gotten back from the Heisman ceremony. And I said, what is that like? And he's like, you know what? It's, it's awesome. He says, you're with all the other Heisman Trophy winners, and you're signing stuff, and it's really cool. He says, but it's also a great indicator of how fleeting fame is. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I wanted to be there. He says, I try to go every year, but I, I wanted to be there because Tim was up for an award. And uh, Tim Tebow, if you all know who Tim is, and, and he said, I want to be there to kind of support him. And, and Tim had shared that Danny was kind of his role model growing up, and it was just a really cool experience. And he said, I'm standing there, and they've kind of got it roped off, and there's all these Heisman Trophy winners, and there's a kid with a Gator football helmet standing on the other side of the rope. So he said, I walked over, and he goes, hey, how's it going? He goes, good. And he said, do you want me to sign that? And he leaned over, and this kid, I love this. The kid went, huh? Uh, no. Can you take this to Mr. Tebow and see if he'll sign it? <laughs> okay. All right. And he said, you know what? If you've got your world wrapped up in what you think others think of you, you're going to be, you're in trouble. He says, but if you'll top and say, God, what did you make me for? And what's one step I can take? We're going to find significant and fulfillment and legacy in this life. That's what this is about. If you don't mind, I want to pray for us. And I want you to listen to these incredible words of this song. Father, thank you for this step. That today we can say, Lord, maybe I've succeeded at something. But Lord, I want more. I want significance, not just success. So Father, I, I do trust you. And Lord, I do want you to guide and direct my steps. If you'll bring across my path an opportunity... Big or small, Lord, help me to see it and help me take that simple step of obedience. And it is only through Christ we can pray. Amen. But I hope you start this journey. I want to just get very personal as we walk out. And that is, you may be sitting here today and you may be thinking, you know what, I, I do want legacy and significance. I get that. And, and it, this first step is to just say, God, I want to know you personally. He really does have a plan. That is the step. If you have some questions, we'll be out in the hearth room there, and I'd be glad to answer those. Some other folks will be glad to answer those. But my challenge is this. I remember sitting there going, well, I, I, I don't have time. I don't have ability. How would I know? I, I, I'm not a doctor. I can't go over. I thought of all the excuses. I want to challenge you to walk out to just be calm. So, well, I, I love sports. and God, if you have a place to serve, will you just bring it across my path? And will you help me see with your eyes and hear with your ears? Maybe just tug my heart of somebody ought to do something about that. And if you feel that way, then that's probably God going, yeah, go look in the mirror. It's you. And think, where can I step in? Where can I serve? What can I do? Let me just pray for us in that way. And I hope you have a great Sunday. Lord, I pray that you would just start this journey for us. For some, they're on the cusp waiting to jump in and serve. For others, they realize, God, I... I want to be significant. And they're realizing it comes only from you. So, Lord, no matter where we are, I pray that we would just walk out in peace and rest and find the joy comes in fulfilling who you created us to be. Help us to take those steps and answer these questions. In Christ's name, amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.